0: Hi everyone, Telen here. You know, at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women, as well as marginalized people who have been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment, or simply support us by subscribing our podcast from ACAST, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge difference to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey y'all, this is Jesse. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian
1: Bitches Down Under, coming you live from Sydney, where today it is Friday and we have had a record number of cases. I know it's oh, not Jesus like a great way to start the day. <laughs> But um, Helen has told me that um, there have been some irresponsible people who have um notched up our numbers in the state to 390 yeah. cases in the last 24 hours. Helen, what's been the vibe up there in the Central Coast for you?
0: Oh, I think people are more cautious about going around the past seven weeks. I can slowly see – well, I, I don't go out that much, so I can't really physically see what's happening around my neighbourhood mm-hmm. except for mm-hmm. going for the walks – with my dogs like every second day but our population here is not that dense so i don't see a lot of people out um nice on the walks that i usually go to which is like the campus there's a uni Mm -hmm. campus near our place but i do see still there are a lot of younger kids like teenagers they hang around the skate parks Mm -hmm. or just playgrounds yeah so i don't avoid those areas um, mm. Apart from that, I don't see much things that's been changing. I know there's, I think there's 20 cases in our LGA, which compared right. to other LGA in Sydney, it's a rather relatively low number. Yeah, right. okay. but apart from that, the people are being more careful now. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. any police, you know, coming. Presence. Yeah, presence. Right. So, yeah, what about yeah. you? How's, how's your neighborhood looked like
1: yeah um i think it's pretty good so far mm-hmm. at least here in the inner west um we are trying to keep sane by so uh, the, the thing that i have been really looking forward to is um what i do with my partner is like we cook from this kind of subscription service mm-hmm. called atlas masterclass okay. which is basically like master spoon oh uh, sorry Ma- marley spoon mm-hmm. or um hello, hello fresh. fresh yeah, you know, yeah, those, yeah. Meal boxes, yeah. yeah. Um, so Atlas is one. I don't actually know why it's not famous here in Australia. They don't market it. They don't have that severe, severe marketing that HelloFresh has. Mm. Um, Atlas is where like every week there's a new um country that you cook their cuisine from. Oh, so last, interesting. Last couple of weeks we've had Greece. Last week it was Japan. Uh-huh. I think next week is Morocco. Um, so we go. So basically, you're traveling through your cuisine. Uh-huh. Which I know in some ways can. And and then what we do is while we're cooking, we put on music from that country. country. So last week while we were making Japanese food, we played Japanese jazz. Uh um, Trying to kind of live vicariously and travel in this way that, you know, we in Sydney at least can no longer do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, In terms of, I guess, like what's keeping me sane has been going for my daily walks. I walk about uh, an hour, an hour and a half Mm -hmm. every day um, and kind of listen to my favourite autumn articles. Oh, yes. Oh, this week I haven't been reading as much. I've been trying to get through a review book, which I might mention next week. Mm -hmm. But um, the book that I've been listening to is um, Joan Didion's latest collection of essays, which is basically stuff that she has written over the last 4 or 5 decades. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know Helen, have you read any Joan Didion? She's like basically the sort of the most um celebrated writer, I'd say, both within the mainstream world and within the writers mm. writer's world. Mm.
0: I haven't read I I probably read some essays before, but I like mm. my memory is very vague after I read something and unless mm. that it has a huge impact On my life, right? It doesn't. My database is very poor, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So she's most famous for perhaps recently most famous for Mm. a book she wrote about seven, eight, nine years ago about her husband dying of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. I think it was called um, "My Year of Magical Thinking" or "The Year of Magical Thinking." She's a California native. I'm sure all our listeners know her. She's kind of like the LeBron James of basketball of literature oh, okay. like everyone knows her and everyone reveres her um, she's not dead um, she's in her 80s I believe um, yeah it's it's like listening to her uh, essays or like reading her essays is like watching an Olympic gold medal like um, figure skater oh wow that's what it it's just phenomenal uh-huh. the way she writes it's really clean and it's super. Articulate, but n- none of her words are very um, convoluted. Like, she doesn't use any tricky words that you wouldn't come across every day. Mm-hmm. She just has a way with, like, um, she has a way with clean sentences uh-huh. that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good. I, I found writers need to have a skew to explain or express themselves in a way that people can understand. Or otherwise, it's very hard to keep on track of their work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a skew that... People have because I've seen some writers write in a way that it's just so complicated, you have no idea what they are trying to express.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> you're rotting your eyes. i a bad writer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what about you? What have you been reading?
0: Uh, I've been reading Girlhood, the one that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago by Melissa Phoebos. Oh, yes. uh, I just want to make a connection of her work this book and Mm. the drama that i went back to watch again i've mentioned it on our instagram the make of an ordinary woman is a Tiny's drama i went back to watch the first season and i just make so much connection between feeble's book and that drama because both of them talked Mm. about girlhood as in the experience of females growing up and in the body that we love and hate and the experience coming out externally of how that reflects Mm -hmm. on how we see ourselves yeah yeah and I, i just found with this two work girlhood and the drama that i kind of revisit my own childhood and such a huge part of shame in controlling girls how they should behave or present
1: yeah
0: and yeah I just feel like the most accessible way to shame girls is just commenting on their appearance. Yeah, absolutely. Calling their dirty, if they're messy, they're ugly. Mm -hmm. Just because they're Mm -hmm. playing rough. Like even before they hit the puberty, that type of manipulation is always already arrived in your life. Doesn't matter if Mm -hmm. it's coming from friends or even from our own parents.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I remember that distinctly from my parents. Mm.
0: Because the first season pretty much sits in the girls. It may seem the juxtaposition of the woman when she's in adulthood and she kind of have, uh, what do you call that, Uh, flashbacks of her childhood before Mm. 10. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's scenes of her, like, relatives, older relatives telling her not to open her mouth to why when she was drinking soft drinks or don't walk that Mm. way or saying that Mm -hmm. you've got mud on your face whereas none of those what do you call them none of those um, statements are made to her brothers brothers or even like mm. boy not boyfriends but male friends of a class mm-hmm. yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like I'm trying to find a balance as a parent myself as well like where is the the boundary to let your kids to be yourself and also, you want them to be acceptable for social norms because it's a really hard yeah. balance. Like I'm still trying, it's a tug war for me constantly, especially Absolutely. for my daughter. I want to teach her that she can be herself, but at the same time, I don't want her to, I, I don't know if it's the right way to call her, to let her to be herself totally. And then when mm. she go out to the real world, <laughs> and then she'd be shocked to be finding yeah. that it's not what she's
1: expecting. Well, she's not yeah. accepted for who she truly is. That's unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a negotiation that every, to some degree, every parent must deal with because mm. um, it's a balance because um, there, that is, I guess, the um, underlying grief or mm-hmm. the underlying sorrow of parenthood is that you are – you come to a realisation day in, day out that there is only so much you can control within um, You – there is only so much you can um, manage in the life of the child that is yours mm-hmm. because uh, you cannot control the world outside. That's right. Um, you, you cannot make it accept the – uh, terms in which you accept within your child, and the the sort of terms that you draw up within um, the you know the relationship that you have with the child. Um, that is something that I guess you. I'm guessing as I, I'm not a parent, but I'm guessing that you have to constantly um, fight against mm-hmm. or eventually accept. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, it is impossible mm-hmm. to. It is impossible to control the, the world outside of what you can control within your own house or mm-hmm. your own ho- household, I guess. Yeah, and I
0: guess it will be a journey for her to learn and adjust herself as she goes, I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm I saying that pandemic might be a good thing in the sense that because we're not physically face-to-face that we have to look upon the gaze of other people, that could be a good thing that for now, like she's constantly being herself and she doesn't really have to worry about how other people – well, even for us adults as well, we're in our pyjamas all day long now. we not really have definitely, to, yeah. We don't have to be concerned of how other people see our appearance, what we dress – how we look like mm. now. Yeah.
1: yeah, that is a good point. Like we can manage our own um, barriers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it is there is a sense of comfort in that. I have to agree. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah.
1: Have you been watching anything? Um, I have mostly because I have an article coming out in SMH about. Um, the sort of pandemic rom-coms that been, okay uh, oh yeah flooding oh, cool. netflix uh-huh. um uh, some of them off the top of my head are like falling in love i n n Word oh. about about a san francisco designer um who wins an inn and she goes and goes to new zealand uh-huh. travels to new zealand to sort of idyllic location and then falls in love with like a, a handyman lumberjack looking boring of a white man oh my goodness um, that's so another that one that happens
0: is, all the time It's like if you they oh, they come absolutely. in down to Australia or New Zealand the guy mm-hmm. have a very stereotypical image.
1: Oh, all these <laughs> yeah, all these men are super flat on the screen. Um, and they're all very lovely like, you know, flattened kind of loveliness. Uh, another mm-hmm. one is Romance on the Menu, which is about a f- chef um, from New York who has to return to her um Australian roots and then she yeah. also falls in love with a chef another one is a uh, resort to love which is about a singer who um is breaking up who broke up with her fiance because she was like too ambitious of a singer and then she um gets a sort of temporary job in Mauritius uh, mm-hmm. another one is um this little love of mine which is very similar to um the first movie that I mentioned so all five movies kind of uh, the central story is very like template-like. It's very yeah. generic. It's about an ambitious woman who like you know it. goes and um, f- you know wins the love or attention of a local man. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so much fun, but also like deeply problematic, obviously. Mm. Um, and so I've been watching those films with absolute delight this week. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's what's keeping me like kind of excited about my life at the moment like fun movies
0: yeah i think we need to have to maintain the funness in the lockdown
1: yeah i know that's what is really hard keeping ourselves jovial at this moment Mm -hmm. of like uncertainty not really knowing not being able to plan holidays or plan you know the next few months. That's right. Yeah. Physically, where we can be. So you know, you travel through movies. That's, so that's right. Yeah, I agree with that. We've, we've yeah. Been doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. I've mentioned that I've started watching Eat, Drink, Man, Woman in Shunde, oh, yes. the Chinese movie, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So I was just watching it slowly because I want to savor it bit by bit, like how you did with the um the book, crying in right. the HMR. Yeah. 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 So. I remember watching this film the first time when I was 14 with Dad at the George Street Cinema. You did? Yeah, it was a work function for Dad. And he got free tickets to see this movie. It was playing at the George Street Cinema. Mm. And I did not comprehend most of it at the time. I mm. had no idea, and mm-hmm. it was so uncomfortable for Dad sitting next to me. There was like a it wasn't even a sex scene. It was a make-out yeah. scene, and I can sense that Dad said very uncomfortably. Yeah, next to yeah. Me.
1: Can I just say that should just mm-hmm. never ever happen with like a child and a parent should never ever sit next to each other while a, a, some sort of sex scene happens on screen but the thing is like we're all you and I in our family we're all like movie fanatics yeah you know so it's unavoidable it, it because is. you can't yeah. you don't know unless you only watch movies where like you very g-rated parent, watch it yeah exactly g-rated pg or like you watch it before the kid it's just kind of unavoidable yeah. but no I remember there are quite salacious sexual scenes in that movie
0: mm-hmm. yeah I don't know, like watching it now as a adult, I don't think that was any problematic. Like I'll watch right, it with okay. my teenage kids. I'll even watch it with um my daughter who's eight. Um yeah. I don't think there's any problems for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I just love how they really combine the food within the family relationship. Mm, mm. Na- um, so this film is uh, directed by Anne Lee. It was released on 1994. It was actually called one of the movie within a trilogy for Anne Lee. Right. Someone labelled a trilogy of fathers. What were the other ones? The first one uh, mm. is Pushing Hands and the second
1: one was Wedding Wedding Banquet. Wedding Banquet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Banquet, so, yeah. That's one of Billy's favourite films. Oh, really? I, I'm going to yeah, watch that It's about a gay man. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's about a gay man who goes to New York and then falls in... I don't know. I haven't actually seen it, but Billy keeps telling me to watch it. Do you know what it's about? Yeah,
0: it's a Chinese gay man who either study or work in US and then he Mm. falls in love with someone... He falls in love with a man in US, but then his parents back in Taiwan forces him to get married. Mm. They try to set up like a woman in US to... Do this like fake marriage pretend with him, so to satisfy yeah, to his, be the beard. Yeah, pretend, yeah yeah. So I think it's a drama slash comedy. I will right. watch it with Billy for sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um. Definitely going to suggest that when pandemic ends, if it uh-huh. ends. Yeah, it sounds really fun. Yeah, and all mm. three movies, um, and Lee cast
0: the same old man as a father figure oh yeah, right. that's why he calls it yeah yeah so the father trilogy portrays how the
1: emotions of the like a traditional asian father father um, yeah the patriarch yeah for for those people who haven't um heard of eat man drink woman love whatever you said that movie man drink <laughs> eat woman yeah um can you just tell us a brief storyline Okay, so this uh, semi-retired
0: man who lives with his three unmarried daughter, um, his wife passed away like 15 years ago. So he's a single parent since then. The story revolves around how the dad is trying to kind of retire fully, but he's not sure about if he wants to give up um, his hospitality work totally. But at the same time, um, he's seen his three daughters. One is, I remember the first daughter is a teacher who's had a very failed relationship decades ago. And yeah. she's yeah. a true devoted Christian, doesn't know how to kind of navigate her way around relationship with men. Yeah. Whereas the second daughter is very powerful. I wouldn't say powerful. CEO but she's, Yeah, something? She's like an airline executive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's, she's the, the business most mind. famous actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say most of them are pretty famous, but anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's the only one I know. And then the third daughter is the young girl who's a college student who works in the fast food chain and falling in yeah. love and fall pregnant in the very. Super quick kind of relationship. So she moved out yeah. of home first, followed by her older sister who fell in love with a PE teacher of the school. Yeah, it's really cute actually. That <laughs> yeah, love is it actually really very
1: very um, innocent,
0: very tender. So I think the whole movie really displayed the sense of the Taiwan and the Taipei, the city of Taipei, mm. because they took scenes of a lot of places. And there were mm. little snippets of the daily life of the father as well, where he yeah. goes into like ma- massage center where he went to the spa and you see yeah. him, um, walking in on the street, delivering lunch boxes for his neighborhood kids. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah it's very comforting. Yeah. especially. I don't for, want to
0: spoil it for everyone, but it was, yeah. Be, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It, and it's so sad. Like I remember, um, leaving watching the film i think i've seen it twice in my life and it both times Mm. i'm left with a feeling of deep nostalgia or sadness yes because um i guess helen and i can kind of relate because we're one of three girls as well yes and our father is similar to the father in these movies where he's (laughs) like very sort of upstanding and He's all about honour and, like, doing your duty, you know. Yeah, it's, like, super comforting but also super sad. It kind of reminds me of films like EE, which is one of my favourite films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, basically any kind of the, – the Taiwanese, the Taiwanese really know how to make films is really what I'm trying to say. They really
0: know how to make films that is centering the emotions of a family. Yes,
1: that's it. Yeah, that's even
0: though so that you don't see a lot of dialogue between them. But the, the actors – They play play out pretty well. They play out really, really good, I think. And there's a final twist. If anyone hasn't seen the movie, I strongly suggest you to go and watch it. It's on Netflix. Speaking of Honor and Duty, the movie have a final twist at the very end, which is absolutely bizarre and funny, I think.
1: Really? I don't remember this. Maybe
0: after... After our recording, I'll tell you. Maybe after we record, you tell me. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, Go great. Watch it. Okay, we might watch it tonight then. Yeah. We were thinking of watching True Lies actually. So. <laughs> okay, so okay.
0: let's take a break and we'll be back. Take a break
1: and we'll be right back. Yeah. One. Hey guys, so we're back and so what happened last week was at some point I was scrolling through the internet, mm-hmm. um, the noise that <laughs> is invisible and um, I found this article about work fishing which mm-hmm. is like the sort of latest trend in dating fatalities, mm-hmm. should I say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the last few years modern dating online has, you know, you've seen breadcrumbing, you've seen ghosting, you've seen um catfishing you know uh, you know a million gazillion different things mm-hmm. honestly modern dating is fucking tricky so woke fishing kind of sparked my interest Helen because yeah. I had never heard of it okay. and as someone who has mostly been single her whole life I'm kind of really on top of you know the latest crazy dating dating, dating, yeah, fa- dating <laughs> fanat- fatalities but woke fishing is something that I saw and it was a uh, article that I, when I saw it, I sent straight to Helen yeah. and I knew that that was something that we wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, and, you know, feel free to pitch in, Helen, when you can, um, woke fishing. So it's like um, uh, we all know that our listeners know what woke means, mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of the term comes from like catfishing and if you don't know, catfishing is like pretending to be someone else mm-hmm. online. You know, like for instance, putting um, the face of Elijah Wood on your dating profile. <laughs> Elijah when you are not Elijah Wood. I don't know why that came to me. Um, most of our listeners probably don't even know who Elijah Wood <laughs> oh, is. Frodo, basically. Frodo, okay? Um, yeah, so um, work fishing is when someone online comes across as someone who's like really into very invested in, you know, Black Lives Matter or, like, LGBTQI rights or, you know, um, sustainable housing or whatever, just like, sort of like anyone who's, like, very hyper-socially um, aware, mm-hmm. you know, um, when in actual fact they're not really. They're just trying to hook you in mm-hmm. so that you can sleep with them, I guess. yeah um, I think this is, like, really – it's not I, – I don't think, Helen, that this work-fishing – is um exclusive to dating. Like I feel like a lot of corporations, like big businesses oh, and definitely. companies in the last yes. 12 months since George Floyd's death and, you know, the whole racial reckoning mm-hmm. in the US have done very similar things, yes. you know, corporate wishing mm-hmm. where they're trying to profit off this whole social movement that really is at the core of a basically um, uh, systemic uh, crimes perpetrated you know, by um, the state mm-hmm. against uh, black people.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I've, he- I've-, I've heard a lot of stories. We're just speaking, oh, I just want to speak about the corporate walk fish first and then we'll, I'll go sure. on to the dating mm-hmm. one. I've heard stories from my friends saying that, oh, their company pretend to be woke and invested in money is to teaching them about culture diversity, but mm. internally the culture doesn't change.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Within it's the managerial, yeah. the
0: within the exactly. managerial level, it's it's hard mm. to change. Like they expect yep. Yep. the lower levels or employees to change, but it's not. It's really hard to change on the upper levels.
1: Yeah, a lot of these sort of di- quote unquote diversity courses and mm. training are they just as like box ticking exercises. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be hard, and it will take a long time for that to change systematically. Yeah, um, mm. when I was telling, when I uh, before I was gonna set up for our recording, yeah, <laughs> my daughter asked me, oh, so what topic are you gonna talk about today? I told her, woke fish. You, when She She mm. asked me, is that a sea creature? <laughs> yeah, oh That is so cute. I love it. <laughs> I'm just I just her that. Oh, no, it's like a behavior people do that's not really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. didn't have time to explain to her, but I'll probably explain to her a bit later. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, like what Jesse said is like a fishing kind of tactic people do uh, during dating that they pretend they're progressive or forward thinking yeah. and to hook mm-hmm. you on to date them or get you in bed with them. Most likely will yeah. be women who been tricked, unfortunately.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I, I, when I was reading the um, article, I was thinking that, you know, men usually, you know, I, I don't want to say older men because people are just going to mm-hmm. come at me about that. Well, some people don't educate themselves about gender issues because. Mm they are pretty much a beneficial group in the society. Yeah, absolutely. So they assume that they know everything. So even if you say that, oh, if you ask them, are you progressive, they'll just immediately say that, oh, yeah, I'm progressive, of course.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's like a definition of how you're going to use the word woke because I know that some very PC-dominated group of people would say that they don't want to use the word woke anymore because it's been overused. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. and the standard has been reduced
0: yeah that's true yeah and
1: I think um, well the threshold lowered yeah
0: yeah and we think about who determine what is work again like who has yeah. the power yeah. to say what is work or what is not exactly yeah. yeah 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 and I feel like because I've been in one single model relationship for the past almost 20 years mm. I, I don't feel I don't see it's only a unique term for dating. I think mm. it's, it's a process that a lot of couples might have gone through as well. Like for example, for me, I the journey through learning feminism, there's a lot of things that I picked up myself and kind of discover or rediscover myself in the past mm. few years and I know, okay, mm. this is not right now, mm. but it will seem right. Decades ago. Back then. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then sometimes uh, your partner doesn't necessarily move at the same pace as you. Yes. Yeah, yes.
1: Because do, they don't live in the same body. Yeah, your, that's right. Your husband, Helen, is not an Asian woman. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes. So he moves through the world differently. Yeah, yeah on,
0: exactly. Sorry. So sometimes I have something, not even like, apart from my own husband as well, I, I see it, similar mm. things happening with my friends as well. Sometimes they don't move at the same pace as me when I'm seeing disparities in gender issues. For example, I still have friends, female friends, do Mm. not think that gender wage disparity exists. So Mm. I don't know how to explain to them. I mean, even though if I explain to them, they were like, oh, no, but how I experience through, it it doesn't really necessarily cause me to feel like that. So it's hard Mm. for them to feel the same way. Yeah, so that's, that's from my part.
1: What about you? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like um, I can see how this can happen mm-hmm. um, because it's, like, considered quote-unquote cool to kind of, yeah. like, you know, have a lot of kind of interest in LGBTQI rights or all those, you know, to, to kind of um, invest yourself with the, um, the fight for equality by, by these marginalised people. Mm-hmm. because you want to seem like someone who stands by people who are like less privileged than you, you mm-hmm. know. But often what what needs to occur for those people to be like genuinely invested is that um, you really look at your own privileges and you see how the things that you have that other people don't have mm-hmm. can be um, shared, I guess, you know, um, forfeited, Um to, to other people, um, and that is the leap that a lot of people are not prepared to make, you know. Um, I think when I think of this work fishing aspect, I think of, I guess just personally, like um, not that it's work to be feminist, but I know that a lot of men probably think it's work to be feminist, um, mm-hmm. and that's like a very sad reality. Um, I have known a few men, especially just around the kind of literary mm-hmm. um spaces that i move within and it's usually literary guys who you know are, are at least more socially aware yeah. you know about the rights of marginalized people um i have seen and i would just comment on i guess like a couple of the men that i've come across mm-hmm. and i will say that they have all been white mm-hmm. um they they come across as Quite woke because they like start think they start they bring up the fact that they breed female authors mm. as though that's like a big thing, you know. But for me, it's just like, oh, I, I really don't care, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Um, but often these men who behave in this kind of performative feminist ways are men who tend to actually have really inherent, like toxic masculine behaviors yes. that they don't see themselves mm-hmm. and they think that they. Um, I think because they somehow um, can perform this femininity, it's a way of like some sort of um, insidious compromising that they don't recognise that deep down they have these traditional thoughts about how a woman should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's really kind of nefarious, I guess. And it's quite shocking. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite shocking when you do see it. Yeah. Um, and you do experience that, Um yeah. Mm. I'm seeing
0: it more in the white men from my mm. own observation because um, they're more expressive as well. Like we all know that white men out there is more vocal about their own opinions because yeah. we don't really see yeah. Asian men's writing opinion on SMH. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Well, the fish. In dating, I don't know about dating nowadays. You know, maybe our listeners can tell us if they have experienced a walk yeah, fish sure. or seen men that is trying to be very performative about their fe- the feminist view or yeah, even yeah. dominates. That's that's what I hate about it. it, it like, when, they, when, when men say that, oh, yeah, I'm feminist, and they don't give the space. They are offer the space. They don't,
1: like, they're just taken over the, over the space. Like, yeah, exactly. At all. And it's so funny, Helen, because it's like, clearly you're not a feminist because (laughs) if you were, then you would know to shut up. (laughs) That's right, yeah. You would know about reparations that need to be made because of history. Yeah. Because you embody a male, um, you are in a male body, which Mm -hmm. means that, you know, historically you have been the party, you are part of the party and the membership of the sex that has had power that, you know... the, that we as women don't have
0: yeah that a couple of weeks ago mm. when um someone was a was a press conference asking about the um sexual assault problems within the parliament and a journalist yeah. asked uh, one of the female mp who was at the press conference with morrison and then just before mm. she was uh, i think she said she made a statement something like oh yeah um the parliament here in australia really takes care of woman and they really um, give space it, it, even before that she finished the sentence Morrison took over and <laughs> kind of yeah, interrupted her. her kind of want to make himself here yeah is hmm. it's just oh my god yeah it's just,
1: it, it's just like they need to insist I think it's because like they honestly think that is the only way I don't know it's just like um. It's ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ingraining them this behavior yeah, to exist, to, right. to like vocalize um, your to, to make sure that like for for people like Morrison it's more important for for them that they present an impression of themselves being feminist. Yeah. When in actual fact that they're not. They're not. Like I think that's what is something that I constantly mourn about is like, you know, with the internet and technology it's so easy to create impressions of yourself rather than genuinely just working on yeah, being someone who true. encompasses these ideals, these mm-hmm. values of what it means to be, you know, have solidarity with marginalized people. It, it becomes now because of the internet and so many other things, um, so much more important to um, curate your, yourself and, and to actually like work on the impression mm-hmm. that you give other people yeah. rather than actually your genuine interests, yeah.
0: So it comes back to what I mentioned earlier on our, this episode about from the girlhood how feebles kind of describe how people seize mm. us and then mm. how we present ourselves onto yeah, exactly. the society. Is it really yeah. our true selves? That's a conflict, or is yeah, it, yeah,
1: or is, or is it the impression, yeah, that we've been taught mm-hmm. to display, yeah, absolutely. Like, just like, um, I think when I was 11, it was when I first, first saw an Asian woman on. On the TV screen, it was like Lucy Lou in mm-hmm. Charlie's mm-hmm. Angels, and I was both like flattered, but also learnt a totally took on a way of presenting myself because I was like, oh great, so an Asian woman can be like sexually desirable. But then I think deep down I was like um, somehow I, I mean because you know when you're 11 you don't you don't have the critical thinking skills to know what the film is actually trying mm-hmm. to do, you know, mm-hmm. and it's insidious. But I think after that I was like, oh, I need to be fun, I need to be sexy, I need to be playful. Yeah. You know, the Charlie's Angels girls are like the embodiment of the ideal woman. Um, so, well, I, you know, yeah, that's what happens to a lot of – that's why representation and the lack of representation and then the scarcity of representation is so deeply harmful yeah. because, you, because then you take on – Whatever is presented, that's to right. You. Yeah, and it's always one-dimensional, and it's always usually written by white people. <laughs> that's so right. So like, what it's we never watch. true anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what we watch. Unfortunately, in Western countries, is Asian diasporas. Mm. That's why I always like encourage people when they say they don't feel like they don't feel they belong anywhere. I encourage them to read or watch something that's not made by white people. You know, try yeah, to yeah. watch. Um, something that's in other language or so, try to watch mm-hmm. that's uh, foreign productions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or read books that's written by people of colour, definitely.
1: Yeah, because yeah. it decenters the white gaze. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Nicely put. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take a break and we'll be coming back. With a recording uh, with an exclusive interview, yeah, Helen did, I did
1: with the girls of Butter Butter. Yeah, we'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Asian Bitches Down. There. This is Helen. Uh, so, for our regular listeners, they will have known that Jess and I have been constantly praising and recommending Butter Butter for the past weeks and we really love their leggings and their sports bra for its super soft materials and versatile functionality. Butter Butter has been reported by various media, including Our Australia, Body and Soul, or even Harper's Bazaar in Taiwan. So for as a woman, we're here to use a podcast platform to support and extend the visibility of diverse female entrepreneurship too. Therefore, uh, it is my pleasure uh, today to welcome Eleanor and Michelle, the founders and the CEOs, I guess both of you are CEOs for this Australian brand, ActiveWay Butter Butter. Um, firstly, uh, Eleanor and Michelle, can you tell us about your background, where you're based? Um, you know, what have you been doing before that you started Butter Butter?
2: Who would like to start, Michelle or Eleanor? I'll, I'll let Eleanor take this one first.
3: Um, hi, so thank you guys for having us. Um, you know, it's such a privilege to be interviewed by you both. Um, so I came from uh, Florio, so I was their PR manager here in Australia. And before that, I was, a, um, I was in PR for about 11 years over in New York in um, fashion and beauty before moving back here maybe two or three years ago. And I, I guess, yeah, you know, active reg just sort of fell into our laps. Around that time. Um, although my background is in PR, it's sort of proven to be quite useful,
2: mm-hmm. um, you know, starting our own business. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How about you, Michelle?
2: Yeah. So um, prior to Butter Butter, um, I was working in the nonprofit space. So okay. I worked for an organization that was focused on sustainable development and it was um, part of the United Nations. So um, I was able to kind of travel the world a little bit and um, work with um, like-minded um, young people who are I guess trying to like make a, a better difference in the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I worked in that organization for a couple of years and um, 2019 I kind of decided I wanted a little bit bit of a change Um, and then 2020 came around and the pandemic happened and there was insecurity with jobs and stuff and this opportunity with Eleanor kind of fell in my lap to start a business and yeah that's where I'm at right now.
0: Okay that's wonderful yeah that's all very like very experienced you know the career before that you started Bada Bada. The next question I would like to know is that like what influence or perhaps who influenced you to enter the activewear
3: industry? Um, So this is quite a funny story. So, you know, being 28, I've never actually gone to the gym a day in my life before starting (laughs) Butter. And um, around the time when I started thinking, okay, you know, I'm getting old, (laughs) maybe it's time to actually work out, I I joined a gym and I thought, okay, you know, it's time to buy activewear. And I thought, okay, I'll look around to see, you know, what brands everyone was purchasing. You know, the ones with really big Instagram followings, the ones that everyone's talking about. So I purchased them, and to my surprise, a lot of them felt, um, a lot of them felt like sandpaper, and it was very, very underwhelming. And I thought to myself, surely this cannot be the pinnacle of the activewear industry, you know. Um, and so I thought we'll set out to make our own. And when I started sampling during that time, you know, we went through maybe even a hundred different fab, um, fabric suppliers to find oh, wow. what we currently have today. But the, the truth is beating, you know, toppling the giants in the industry was not that difficult. I'm actually surprised that the standard is so low for comfortable activewear. And so when we set out to make ours, the difference is not even minor. It's a major difference. If you were to hold out one of the bigger brands compared to ours, it's, it's just, yeah, it's not even a comparison.
2: Mhm mm-hmm.
3: yeah i understand yeah. like
0: after trying your your uh, leggings and comparing to the previous ones i bought i'm like what the hell have i been wearing
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah that's exactly the reaction we were hoping for that you know when people try our products you know they they can't go back to what they were previously wearing so that's really great mm-hmm,
0: yeah um i would like to know like how did you two meet or more specifically um did were you two friends before or workmates or um did you know each other like during school and how did you come to work together for the brain?
2: Yeah, so we only became friends surprisingly, only about two and a half years ago, um, through a couple of mutual friends. And um when we met we instantly connected, I guess, because um we come from similar backgrounds. We're both Asian so we have a lot of shared interests in you know food and culture and stuff like that so um we became pretty close friends and um when Eleanor had this idea of starting an active web business and she was talking to me about it um I was kind of really excited for her and then um we she kind of came to me um with all these ideas and I, I gave her my input and that was um middle of last year when um, she was like, do you just want to start this business together? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I was hoping you'd ask me that. And oh, um,
0: so good. Yeah.
2: yeah, and so that's when it kind of all began. We kind of um met up and planned out what we were going to do. And we kind of had that shared vision of creating this global empire that would disrupt the activewear industry yes. and create products that people would really love mm-hmm. um, yeah so uh, that's yeah how we got here that's wonderful uh, well, so who came up with the name
0: butter butter
3: what's the story behind it i actually came up with the name um, so in the activewear industry but buttery is a really really common term used to describe mm-hmm. fabric that is quite soft and brushed and so we thought literally just to call it butter and, you know, it sounds good, so you include the word twice. I don't know. We thought initially it was silly enough and catchy enough to be remembered. And so that's how that's how it, you know, it came to be.
2: Yeah, and, and when people receive our products and they try it on, they instantly connect that with the way it feels. And they're like, you know, it does feel like butter and it does feel Mm. like stepping into a tub of butter. So that's exactly the type of feeling that we're trying to evoke with all the products in our brand.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm like nodding on my side. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) First try, um, I've seen people or her friends saying that it's like stepping into like whipped cream as well. It's so soft. It's so nice, so comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So what's the process of establishing Butter Butter? I I don't know how much you can share, but I've been following your Insta page before the launch and you've shared some of the pictures, like sewing the fabric. So who takes the part of the designing and how does that all come together?
3: Um, Yeah, so we sort of take turns. um, We sort of um, take turns coming up with a design. So the benchmark of every design begins with, all the pain points that people complain about the most so what surprised mm-hmm. us initially starting this business was that it's 2021 and some of the biggest brands are still making back seams with um, straight back seams they're still using front seams they're still using elastics at the top of the waistband and when you start entering facebook groups and communities and seeing comments and youtube reviews you see that a lot of women over many many years have complained about certain features and so every time we set out to design a product we address all of these pain points and come up with solutions for them. So we, you know, rather than going by trends, we sort of try to create pieces that are timeless. And so we start with, you know, pretty much the basic skeleton, which is, you know, your our curved back seams, our trapezium-shaped waistbands, seamless waistbands, no front seam, um, you know, the the extended gusset, which also prevents camel. So all of these things that women are constantly complaining about, that's where we begin know on the drawing board and then obviously um fabric and swatching comes afterwards Mm -hmm. yeah that's fantastic i really admire
0: that you taken into the account of you know the feedbacks of the customers listening to the woman i think that's the quite important thing in the fashion industry particularly for active wear, that you really need to listen to the woman and what they want because i've seen um, a lot of like you said, big brands that I don't see any much improved from then. But whereas you, it's good that you constantly listen to the feedbacks. Yeah. Um, so are we covered, you know, like you mentioned, I was going to ask you like what stands out from the other brand. you pretty much covered on that question, from those answers. Um did you think there was any obstacles when you first uh set up Butter Butter? Um as woman, as young woman, was there any obstacles, and would you like to share with us um, what, how did you manage to, you know, hurdle through those obstacles?
2: Um, I think there were definitely challenges um, in the beginning and even now, um, you know, um, trying to establish this brand, I think um, because Eleanor and I are both perfectionists in a way and we want all our products to be perfect and we want to be 100% happy with them before we, you know, put them out in the public. Mm -hmm. Um, There definitely was challenges in making sure we were happy um, with the end product. So for instance, when our manufacturers um, came back with samples um, and we were really excited about them, oftentimes we end up a little bit disappointed because um, perhaps the design wasn't quite right, um, the sizing wasn't correct, um, it uh, you know was too loose in some areas, wasn't quite flattering, um, it was uh, the the colours we chose were um, not squat proof. So they were a little bit see-through when you mm. squat in them. So it took a lot of trial and error to get to the end product. And um, I think that, you know, our principle is to put in the hard work to ensure that we create a great product that everyone will be happy with and we're willing to spend the money to invest the time into doing that. So um, even if that means delaying um, the processes a little bit to get there, um, you know that's where we're focused on. So I think the biggest obstacle, yeah, is to ensure that we create a product that we're happy with and we believe is 100% perfect
0: oh that's wonderful that's that's so great to know that you're putting the commitment into the products Then yeah. i feel so much comfortable and confident what to purchase <laughs> you know the leggings and the sports bra yeah thank you so yeah. much yeah thank you so much for your hard work um so there you go thank you uh to eleanor and michelle to come in to speak to me on our podcast today it's such a huge honor and to our listeners, remember that we still still have the special code ABDU10, uh, it still applies. So if you're still struggling to pick up an active wear, I highly recommend Butter Butter. So um, it's really been a delightful time to speak to both of you ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much,
3: Helen. Thank you, Thank Thank you so, so much. Um, Thanks for having us.
1: So um, that was such an interesting conversation, Helen. Um, how did you feel about it? Oh, it was like, what, really what was great. A...
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. love talking to them because um, there's so much articulate. Yeah, well, so are we. <laughs> yeah, and really yeah, thanking amazing. them to have yeah. this opportunity to speak on our podcast and. Um, you know, of course, offering our listeners a code uh, for discounts when they um, mm. purchase their products. And they're in the process of developing new ones, I think. So really yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. And yeah,
1: I've been using a lot of my active wear well, recently because um, I've been kind of like doing a lot of Qigong and mm-hmm. yoga and like um, I feel like their products are so comfortable yes to, like Literally, when I go and wear it, it feels like being naked. <laughs> yes. It's like, it just slips onto your skin so well. Yeah, love it. Yeah. And Helen, have you been doing your, like, daily yoga on your app? Yeah, I'm
0: still doing yoga daily mm. and then doing some hits with my friends through Zoom. I was just chatting to one of my friends who's in Philadelphia the other day. <gasps> what are they doing? Um, in Philly? No, she's she's been living there for years, like decades. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. so. Yeah? Yeah. Um, She's just telling me that um, they have 80% population vaccinated around her area, but wow. they're still getting cases. So it's just the uncertainty right. that is just really yeah. wearing it down for everyone. Yeah. But it's good to yeah. catch up with her. Yeah. It's just mm. um, at least, you know, during this lockdown, you can still talk or see someone else that's on the other side of the world, which is The world, good. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Like you're yeah. travelling in the same universe but she was at yeah, exactly. 8 p.m. on Tuesday night and I was like uh, 11 or was it 10.30 in the morning on mm. Wednesday morning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really yeah, nice. So it's just the fascinating feeling of talking to someone who's going through the night time. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 I keep in touch with a friend from um, Toronto mm-hmm. and it's the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good to have overseas friends. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, you talk about actually the localised things. Exactly
1: What happens, what's stuck in the ground zero of what's happening over there. Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating or welcome listeners to send us your feedbacks or any topics that you would like us to explore. We would also love to know what you're listening to, uh, watching, reading during this crazy pandemic period. So check out our updates on socials and make sure that you share with your friends to help us to extend the visibility of Asian beaches down under and its continued intersectionality in
1: the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week. Sounds great. Stay tuned next week for another episode. In the meantime... Go in and watch something like Falling in Love or Resort to Love um, (laughs) and live vicariously through these uh, extremely attractive people
0: who find
1: love so easily.
0: Okay, so we'll chat to you next week. Stay safe, everyone. Okay.